चैप्टर सेवन वॉट वॉज साई बाबा माई ऑबिशंस टू श्री गणेश टू श्री सरस्वती टू श्री गुरु महाराज टू द फैमिली डेटी टू सीता रामचंद्र माई मोस्ट हम्बल ऑबिशंस आई बाव इन रेवरेंस टू द मोस्ट वेनरेबल गुरु श्री साईनाथ नाउ लेट इज रिकॉल टू आवर माइंड द कनेक्शन ऑफ द प्रीवियस स्टोरी हाउ बाबा वॉज फाउंड ऑफ रिनोवेटिंग द ओल्ड टेम्पल्स हाउ ही वुड एक्सर्ट हिमसेल्फ ऑन द बेनिफिट ऑफ अदर्स हाउ ही वुड प्रोटेक्ट हिज डिवोटीज टेकिंग अपॉन हिमसेल्फ दे सॉरो एंड सफरिंग्स एंड वेयरिंग अवे हिज बॉडी इन देयर कॉज How we practice Khande Yoga, Dhoti Poti, along with Samadhi. Sometimes severing from his body, hands, legs, and the head. Sometimes joining them together as before. If considered a Hindu, he looked like a Muslim, and if Muslim, he ex- exhibited all the qualities of a good Hindu, who even with all his proficiency and learning can describe such an extraordinary avatar. No one could trace in the least whether he was a Hindu or a Muslim, for his conduct towards both these was always the same. Ram Navmi is really a Hindu festival, but he himself got it celebrated. He would have cradled tied up in the Sabha Mandap and have the Katha Kirtan performed. In the square in front would be the cradle we put up, and he would have Ram Kirtan performed. On the same night, he would also give permission to the Muslims to take out the sandal, sandal uh, procession, collecting together as many Muslims as possible. The sandal processions could be taken out ceremoniously. Thus, he got both the festivals celebrated equally well and with great joy. As the Ram Navmi festival came around, he would be greatly interested in arranging wrestling events and would be delighted in giving away horses, todas, and turbans as prizes. When the festival of Gokul Ashtami came, he would get Gopal Kala performed. Similarly, when Eid came, the Muslims not prohibitive from doing their namaz. Once, as the festival of Muharram approached, some Muslims came to the mosque proposing that a taja or a tabut be made and taken in procession along through the village. On being permitted to do so, the taja was great, got ready and kept for four days. On the fifth day, it was taken down without his feeling of any pleasure or pain. If a Muslim, his ears were pierced, and if a if a Hindu, his circumcision would be otherwise. Neither a Hindu nor a Muslim. Such was this Sai, the very incarnation of sanctity. He was neither a Muslim nor a Hindu. There is a story in which he says, you know, that uh, people, those who are Hindus, they believe that he is a Hindu. So when they come to him, they say, "I am sorry, I am not a Hindu. See, my ears, they are not pierced. I don't have any pierced ears, because Hindus normally have pierced ears." Or when the Muslims came and they said he is a Muslim, he uh, one day he removed his lower uparna. And showed that they, they sunta, you know, they they cut off the portion of uh, the prepuce of uh, the penis. That is also not performed. So he says, I am neither a Hindu nor a Muslim. So don't count me in either these things. I am an Allah ka banda, Allah ke bande. Okay, and that is the thing which he says in one of the verses where he says, I am not Allah mia. People say, you know, that I am God. And he says, I am not God. I am not God at all. I am just a servant of God. Yade Hak, that is the name that he says. In the mosque, there was grinding in the quarry. In the mosque, too, resounding the bell, the conch, and also the mosque, there was an offering of rice in the holy fire. What kind of a Muslim was this? In the mosque, you are not allowed to do any of these things. Grinding of the quarry means you are. बोलते हैं ना गेहूँ को ये करते हैं वो नहीं कर रहे थे वो कर रहे थे वहाँ पे. Bells were there. You can't sound bells inside a mosque. But bells were being sounded over there. If the, in the mosque, the bhajans went on all the time, and the distribution of food to the people also went on in the mosque. Again, the Hindus worshipped his feet, offered oblations to him in the mosque. How can he be a Muslim? If a Muslim, how was he worshipped by the best among Brahmins? And the Agni Hotri prostrated before him, giving up their pride in their sovla. Sovla is that thing that they wear, you know. Uh, one is the sovla is the white thread that they wear, or the 
the dhoti that they wear both are both of them are called sovala sovala means purity actually sovala means purity you wear that thing for the for the purpose of purity so the people wondered in their minds those who came to find out for themselves behaved in the same manner too and after having his darshan fell silent indeed he who seeks refuge in hari god however how can he be called a hindu or a muslim he may even be a shudra or the lowest among the shudras or even without a caste his caste is not at all criteria for or standard for judging him he who has no bodily conceit and treats all the varanas among the hindus or muslims as equal does not differentiate between the caste eating in his company of the fakirs he would eat meat and if occasion required it would he would also eat fish but even there should a dog put his foot amount to the food he did not turn away in disgust peasant always store up in large bundles the crops of the current year so that if there was a shortage of grain next year it could be used to make up for the deficiency similarly baba always had a store of bag of wheat for grinding there was a quern in the mosque and there was also a scuttle basket for shifting corn nothing was wanting for carrying on the business of life in the portico in the portico there was a beautiful and proper tulsi vrindavan in the same place there was also a wooden chariot engraved with auspicious signs some merit must have been accumulated by us in the previous birth that we have met such a saint a god incarnate hold him firmly in the casket of your heart so that you will not lose him till you die it must be by some good fortune earned in the past birth that we were thus drawn to his feet which have brought us peace of mind and freedom from worldly cares however great the prosperity and happiness i may enjoy in a days to come this happiness in the company of sri sai samar with which i was blessed will never come back again self rejoicing self absorbed as sai is how can i describe his marvelous way adequately whoever remains absorbed at his feet is confined in this faith by sai ascetics with a sanyasi staff and a deer skin residing at holy places of pilgrimage like haridwar religious mendicants sanyasis those that have renounced the world the udasis and many such came to baba baba would talk and laugh and move freely with all the word allah malik was constantly on his lips he disliked arguments and unprofitable wranglings his staff the baton was always kept near at hand by disposition and ascetic he was tranquil and had conquered the senses and the mind from his speech flowed perfect vedant till the end nobody could gauge baba's true nature be he a king or a beggar they received equal treatment in all matters for both the rich man and a pauper the measure was the same somebody's deeds good or bad or his innermost secrets were all known to him and he used to astonish his devotees by giving a sign or an indication of them he was a reservoir of knowledge and wisdom under the guise of feigned ignorance he to exert himself for honor and recognition in the world was too irksome for him such was the disposition of sai though his physical frame was human his deeds matched those of the gods in being unexcelled it was people's faith that he was god incarnate in shirdi oh for the miracles of baba how how much can i a lowly person describe them innumerable were the renovations that baba got done of the idols and the temples of god in shirdi the condition of shani ganpati shankar parvati gram devi and maruti temples were also improved in the hands of tatya patil the money that baba accepted from people under the guise of dakshina was in part given away for charitable work and in part just given away to people to some 30 rupees to some others 10 or 15 or 50 rupees and as to whom it pleased them were daily distribution with great enthusiasm now here in this one of the lines where he mentions you know you will find that he was not after anything in this world 
most of the sages or saints that they call themselves nowadays they are after visual publicity and this and that but in baba's time he was not at all bothered just like ramkrishna paramahansa he used to sit over there in his mosque ramkrishna ji used to sit in dakshineshwar place those who have visited dakshineshwar will tell you it's very simple room there was nothing pomp nothing grandeur there's nothing for that matter and the speciality of all both these sages was this that they would themselves go to places where they could meet people now in baba's case he would roam around shirdi anywhere he would go to any house talk to them he would go to the neighboring villages come back see they don't have any ego as such so they are willing to go anywhere in today's day and age you will find that people require security with stand guns machine guns this gun that gun and five star hotels and what not it is actually not required or what should a person be afraid of and there is so much of security so many things are happening you will find that today if you have to meet a saint or I mean so called saint you have to pay a lot of money for that i am sure there are lots of people in this group which will tell you to get a darshan of a saint for 5 minutes you have to pay nearly 5 lakh rupees <laughs> and that is the truth in baba's time you could walk inside the masjid and you could see him right there on the spot but people were afraid of talking to him why you know because he was always lost and his satka or that lakdi was there with him always so people's impression was ki he is very angry and he will run behind us actually he used to run behind not there that person but he would he would run behind their sins or whatever problems that they have created in the world and that is what his nature was again when he would take money he would say to the person okay give me so much give me so much people would wonder you know how can a saint ask for money but in his pocket there used to be nothing so he would take and give it to somebody else so it is always passed on those whom we owe money you know owe in the sense from our past life we owe a lot of money to people this is what we don't understand in our world we owe a lot of money we owe a lot of services to people and in this life you will be having to give those people back it's a part and parcel of what is called as uh, a prarabdha karma it's a karma that you have come with so many a times you have to do this kind of things so baba in turn what he would do is he would take money from somebody and then he would call somebody else and he will say hey take this and that is how the distribution used to happen and that is exactly how things take place where prarabdha is at work all this money came from charity those who received it also believed it so and even baba wished that it should be expended for a good cause and thus many became healthy and robust by the mere darshan some changed their wicked ways and became good many were cured of leprosy and so many injured well without the medicated collyrium or a herbal remedy so many sightless regained their sight and the lame regained power in their legs just by falling at his feet limitless was baba's power and greatness which no one could fathom people from all the four directions started coming to shirdi in multitudes for his darshan he would always be sitting in the same place near the dhuni absorbed in the meditation after his morning ablutions sometimes after a bath or sometimes without having one a nice white turban on his head he would wear a clean dhoti round his waist and would don a long shirt such was the dress in the beginning he used to administer ingenious medicines in the in the village 
by observing the symptoms he gave medicines and had a good deal of success so that he became famous as a hakim hakim is a person who whom we go to for medicines okay a muslim uh, who doles out medicines is called a hakim if you go to hyderabad you will find a lot of hakims over there even today they are there and they have these uh, one very unique technique of curing and that is called unani u n a n i unani it's very unique and unani medicines have a very peculiar smell and all so that is there in hyderabad andhra pradesh so once a devotee had red inflamed eyes which appeared as red balls due to the swelling both the eyeballs were bloodshot no doctor was locally available in shirdi the simple trusting baba show uh, devotee showed his eyes to baba at once baba got some bibba seeds crushed and made into a ball for such an ailment some will apply surma some may put cotton soaked in cow's milk and others will use the cooling camphor tablet or collyrium uh, do you know what is bibba you know in childhood we used to have those black seeds we will rub, rub it against the uh, you know ground it becomes hot and then we will give chatka to other people you know all the other children all children are like that okay so if you have not done that there is something wrong with you <laughs> so those, those seeds are called bibba seeds and they are very poisonous so baba what he did he crushed the seeds took out juice from that <laughs> and put it in his eye that is the worst thing you can ever do it will re- it will your eyesight will go but think about it baba is doing this kind of things so that is what he did but baba's remedy was very unusual he picked up the balls one at a time with his own hands and rammed them into each of his eyes bandaging finally with a piece of cloth the next day the bandages were removed from the eyes and water poured out over them in continuous stream the swelling had subsided completely and the eyeballs had become clear and normal such a delicate organ like the eye but even the bibba seeds cause no burning or pain in fact they cure the eye ailment absolutely many are, many are such experiences baba knew dhoti poti or hatha yoga practices yesterday somebody asked me this is the question so we'll do this without anybody's knowledge he would go to some secluded spot take a bath and then bring out his intestines through his mouth which he would then wash and hang them up for drying now you think about it you are taking a bath you remove your intestines like this out and hang them for drying you can't even imagine this kind of thing it's a very funny thing but think can anybody do that it's very strange you know <laughs> this is called dhoti poti okay which he would then wash and hang them up for drying equidistant as the well from the mosque was a banyan tree and beyond the tree was another well to this latter he used to go every two days in the scorching heat at high noon seeing that there was no one was around he would himself draw water from the well and wash his mouth face etc and so on in one occasion when he was sitting down to his bath he hurriedly brought out his intestines and began washing them at that place when a goat is killed his intestines are turned inside out washed clean and put fold upon fold to dry i don't know whether you all have seen this but this is basically <laughs> <laughs> if you go to kasai khana you know katal khana as we call it abattoir abattoir you know in abattoir they have these things they keep on selling this kind of stuff over there and all since our childhood i have been visiting abattoir so i know about it well i am sure you have seen one more uh, things which are which uh, which is available in the market the intestines are filled with that thing inside you know all the meat what is that called 
<laughs> that is sold and that is huh? sausage, sausage is. Yeah. <laughs> so sausage is what is made out of the intestines, by the way. The intestine is very long, so all the inside portion is removed and inside that they fill the fill the what do you call that uh, the mutton and then they seal it from both the sides. And that's a sausage roll. So here you can see, you know, Baba is removing all his intestines and he's cleaning them. Okay. Similarly, he took out his intestines and turning them inside out, cleaned them carefully. He then spread them out on the guava tree to the concentration of the people around. And even now, there were people alive in Shirdi who have seen Baba in this condition with their own eyes. Who says that he was? Who says that he was a unique saint? Sometimes he would practice Khanda Yoga. Separate Khanda. Khanda means portion. Portion Khanda. You understand? First Khanda, second Khanda, third. That is a portions, that is chapters or portions like that. So what you would do in Khanda Yoga, you could separate the hands and the legs and everything out. You know that you can do. So he would do sometimes that. Sometimes you would practice Khanda Yoga, separating hands, legs etc. from the trunk. And these parts of the body would be seen fallen off at a distant part in the mosque. And when the people in large numbers came running to see in shocking spectacle of this body, thus severed into parts, what they when they saw always saw was Baba whole and in one piece. <laughs> Isn't it very strange? Imagine your hand is hanging over there, leg is hanging over there. How do you get these things put together? I I can only think of that R2 D2 and that uh, you know three ya uh, pio what. <laughs> <laughs> from that film Star Wars, you know. Yeah, you can separate his hand and you can keep it, but that is a robot. Here, Sai Baba was like that. So he, he was a very strange person. Once a spectator was terrified at seeing such a scene and thought that some wicked person must have killed Baba and committed such an atrocity. In the four corners of the mosque, parts of the body would be seen scattered at different places. It was the midnight hour and not a soul was around. He became greatly worried. If he were to go and tell anyone, he would himself get implicated. That was his difficulty. So he went and sat inside. But that it would be some yogic practice of Sai, he did not even dream. The sight of the mutilated body struck terror in the heart. He wanted very much to inform somebody of what he had seen. But the fear that being the first informer, he would himself be accused of the crime, prevented him from telling anyone. Doubts and fears crowded his mind, so once again at dawn he went to see and was quite astonished. What he had seen earlier had vanished completely and Baba sat in his usual place, hale and hearty. He began to wonder whether that was a dream. The yogic practices of Dhotipoti etc. were being practiced by Baba since childhood. But nobody would comprehend the extent of his yogic powers and the mysterious behavior consequent upon it. Never did he touch even a farthing of anybody. His fame rested on the success in effecting a cure. He nursed the poor and the weak back to health and became renovated as a Hakim in that district. But this, renowned as a Hakim in that district, but this Hakim lived only for the benefit of others. About his own profit he was most disinterested and to achieve the good of others he would bear intolerable pain and suffering. In this context I shall now narrate an extraordinary incident from the benefit of the listeners, which will bring our Baba's compassion in all pervasiveness. In the year 1910, on the Dhanteras day, on the eve of Diwali, Baba was sitting near the dhuni, putting logs of the wood on the fire in a casual manner. The fire in the dhuni was raging, and there sat Baba, his hand thrust in the fire, 
but quite oblivious and unconcerned about it. The hand was naturally scorched quite severely. Madhav, his attendant, noticed it at once. Madhav or Deshpande was nearby, noticed it too, and ran instantly. He squatted at the back and put his hands tightly around Baba's waist, pulled him back, exclaimed, Alas, Baba, what have you done? As he said so, Baba at once came back to the waking state, from superconscious state, and said, O Shama, you know, a child slipped from its mother's arm suddenly and fell into the smith's forge. Hearing her husband call out to her, the smith's wife began to blow the bellows vigorously out of fear while holding the child in her armpit all the while. While doing so quite inadvertently, she forgot the child in her armpit for a moment. The restless, overactive child slipped from there, but Shama, no sooner did she fall that I picked her up. As I was picking her up, this is what happened. Let the hand be scorched, but at least the child's life is saved. How should the hand be now treated and by whom? wondered Madhuram. He decided to write a letter to Chandurkar. So he wrote a detailed letter and Chandurkar said, came to Shirdi at once, bringing with him Parmanand, a well-known doctor, equipped with a variety of medicines to soothe the burning pain and accompanied by Parmanand, Nana Sahib came and stood before Baba. Making obeisance to Baba, he made a customary inquiry about his well-being and then disclosed the purpose of his visit, requesting him to show the injured hand. Already from the day the hand was burned, Bhagoji Shinde was massaging it with ghee and after covering it with a leaf, was bandaging it tightly every day. To take the bandages out, to have a look at the hand and show it to Parmanand also, so that proper medication could begin and Baba could get relief. Such was the good intention in Nana's mind, with which he entreated Baba in various ways. Even Parmanand made many attempts to induce Baba to take off the bandages, so that he would see for himself the condition of the hand. But Baba kept on postponing from day to day and saying all the while, Allah is our Vaidya, so that he never gave him the hand to see and no regrets about it. The medicine that Parmanand had bought with him never saw the light of the day in Shirdi, but it was destined that he should experience the joy of Sai's darshan on account of it. Bhagoji alone had the privilege of serving him thus every day and so Bhagoji alone would massage his hand. As a result, the hand healed in the course of time. All were relieved and happy. Though the hand healed in this way, one knows not what insatiety could be that made Baba go through the process of bandaging, massaging and so on every day. At the usual time for it approaching in the morning, even without any pair of injury, it was unnecessarily tended with great care regularly, given, being given a massage of ghee, where no wound of or injury remained and this continued to the end. Himself was Siddha, Sai did not need this service from Bhagoji. But out of intense desire for the welfare of his devotees, he got Bhagoji to render it regularly. As a result of the great sins of the past birth, Bhagoji was inflicted with leprosy. But great indeed is his great fortune that he had the privilege of Sai's company. As Baba set out on the daily round to the Lendi, Bhagoji would be his umbrella bearer. His body was full of bleeding sores, yet he had the foremost among the attendants. Every day in the morning, as Baba sat comfortably leaning against the pillar near the Duni, Bhagya would present himself of his service. Removing the bandages from his hands and the leg, he would then massage the muscles of his limbs and would rub some ghee into them. Such was the service Bhagya rendered. A great sinner from previous birth with body festered, with bleeding leprosy, severally afflicted that Bhagya was, he was yet quite devotee of Dad Baba. The fingers and the toes had fallen off due to leprosy. The whole body with his stink was repulsive. Such was the great misfortune of him whose great good fortune was the great happiness of serving Baba. Oh, how, how much can I describe to the listeners the marvelous leelas of Baba? Once the epidemic of plague broke out in the village, just listen to the miracle that took place then. I'll just, uh, I'll take a recap of what happened. What happens is, 
Sadhgurus like Sai Baba, what they do is they take on the karma of these people. Now, taking on the karma is not so difficult for others. If you take on the karma, you are going to suffer for it. Suffer for it means all the suffering will come to you. You will find that many a times in our life, we sometimes accept karma. We don't know whether we are accepting it or not, but we accept. We do not know how to dissipate it in the world, in this universe. But people like Sai Baba and others, like Ramakrishna Paramahansa, sometimes they take on the karma of other people, those who are not able to handle it. And then they take it among on their body and then they dissipate it in the universe. Most of the times you will find that it doesn't get dissipated. So they are left with certain kind of injuries. They are left with certain kinds of diseases, certain kinds of problems, which they continue to live till the end of their life. And you will find that just like Baba didn't allow anybody to go near that wound of his. In the same way, Ramakrishna Paramahansa did not allow anybody to cure the cancer that he was having. He had a cancer of the throat. And that is a very serious problem that he was having. And people used to come and give him some sort of a medicine or he would drink. He will drink cold water, he would eat something, he would drink something. Yet it was not getting cured and nobody could cure that. These are, these are great sages who accept karmas of other people. And it is very difficult to dissipate it for the normal human being. So normal human being never accept it. See, we can, anybody can accept it by the way. Not that it is difficult, you can accept other people's karma. But do you really think you will take it? There is a very good story in one of... Why do they accept karmas out of compassion? Yeah, I'll tell you. Uh, there is one story which I'll tell you. What happened was, Narad Muni had come and met Valmiki. He was Valya Koli at that time. So, Valya was the name. So, he was... He had that bow and arrow and he would kill anybody who was going on the roadside. And he would demand for money and things. So, one day... He stopped Narad Muni. Narad Muni said that, why are you doing like this? Instead of this, you should be doing something good. He said that, uh, see, you know, you have, you have committed so many sins. So he says, why are you doing this? So the person says, says to him, I am doing this for my wife and children. He said, that is very silly. Why don't you go and ask your wife and children whether they are going to accept the karma associated with it? That they should also be a part of it, isn't it? Because if you are doing something for them, they should take it on them. So when he goes back to his wife and he says, the wife says, why should I be responsible? It is your duty that you are doing this for us. You are getting the food and other things home. So it is your duty. So you accept all the karmas. So you will understand that people can accept karma, not that they can't. You can. But we don't. Human beings cannot accept people's karmas because it is not possible to go through it. Think about it. There is a child of yours. He is suffering from a very serious illness. Okay? That illness is debilitating. It could be something very serious. Would you accept that? No, you cannot. On the contrary, you will take him to hundreds of doctors and you will try to get him cured. But the sages 
they what they do is they are very compassionate what padma has written is correct out of compassion so what they do is there are certain people in this world whom the sages decide on their own they say that they will accept the karma of that person there are certain reasons those reasons cannot be given exactly at that moment in time so they accept the karma because certain other things have to be performed at that point in time so they accept the karma they try to dissipate it try to dissipate it but mostly dissipation doesn't happen when the karma is too huge and they will take on the karma and they will have to suffer for it their entire life and that is the reason why this is what happens so accepting karma is a part and parcel of the sage's life they take on the karma of other people by choice because they can handle some of it everything cannot be taken up every karma cannot be accepted those who are on the path some amount of karma can be accepted of theirs and that is what these people do so <coughs> so we'll continue from where we left oh how can i describe to the listeners the marvelous leelas of baba once the epidemic of plague broke, broke out in the village just listen to the miracle that took place then dada sahib khapade had a very young son who was achieved with his mother enjoyed the great happiness of baba's company the boy was very small moreover he was burning with high fever which seemed to break the mother's heart she grew very restless and at her home was in amravati she thought that she would go back thither so finding a suitable opportunity in the evening she came to take baba's permission during his evening round a baba came the baba came uh, as baba came near the wada the lady came and clasped his feet relating to him what had happened as it was women are very nervous by nature and then the child shivering would not stop moreover there was a fear of the dreaded plague she kept on harping on what had happened gently baba said the sky is overcast it will rain bringing forth the harvest and the clouds will all melt away why be afraid so saying he lifted the kafni up to the waist and showed the inflamed bubos to everyone the size of hens eggs four inflamed bubos could be seen spread in four directions see i have to take upon myself all your sufferings said baba seeing this extraordinary divine act people were amazed oh, how the saints take upon themselves the innumerable suffering of their devotees they have hearts softer than wax itself as it were the lump of butter the love for the devotees is truly selfless for the devotee alone are their kith and kin once it so happened that nana sahib left nandurbar to go to pandarpur nana was very fortunate indeed his devotion and service to baba seemed to have borne fruit and he attained vaikuntha the abode of lord vishnu on this earth itself for he was appointed mamladdar to pandarpur on receiving the order of at nandurbar he was required to leave as early as possible so he immediately made preparations to leave with a keen desire to have baba's darshan he decided to go to shirdi with an entire family for shirdi was to him pandarpur itself and he first wanted to make obeisances to baba moreover no letter was sent to anyone at shirdi nor had any message or news preceded his arrival packing all his luggage he hurriedly boarded the train no one in shirdi would have known that nana had started from nandurbar in his hurried manner but sai whose eyes were everywhere knew everything nana had stayed, started speedily and must have reached the border of nimgaon when a miracle took place in shirdi listen to it baba was in the mosque talking to mahasapati appa shinde kashiram and other devotees suddenly he said come let all the four of us sing bhajan together the portals of the temple at pandarpur have opened let us go on singing our bhajan merrily 
Sai, who knew everything, past and present, had known about Nana's arrival. And when Nana had raised a steam at the village border, Baba suddenly showed great enthusiasm for singing the bhajan. To Pandarpur I go, I go. There alone do I stay. There alone do I stay, I stay. In that abode of my Lord. Baba was singing the bhajan himself. And the devotees sitting around him repeated the refrain. It was all overcome by the feeling of love and devotion to Vitoba of Pandari. And then Nana arrived quite suddenly. He with his family bowed at Baba's feet. Maharaj, please be with us as we proceed to Pandarpur and remain there as at your leisure. But the request had hardly, was hardly necessary. The people told him then about Baba's enthusiasm to go to Pandarpur and the bhajan that it inspired. In his heart, Nana was wonderstruck. Baba's leelas had astonished him absolutely. He was choked with emotion as he placed his head on Baba's feet. After receiving Udi and Prasad with Baba's blessing, Sandurkar took Baba's leaves to go to Pandarpur. And now, if I go on narrating all the stories, the book will become too expansive. Hence, I will now end this subject of Baba's leela for relieving the sufferings of others. So, let us now conclude this chapter, for there is no end to Baba's stories. In the next chapter, I shall narrate some miscellaneous stories for my own benefit. Oh, for the self-conceit of mind, which, try as it may, I am more not able to overcome. And yet, who is this I? I know not for certain. Really, it is Sai himself who will narrate his own story. He will explain the importance of the human birth and describe his routine of collecting arms, the single-minded devotion of Baizabai and also about his manner of having his meals. Listen also to how Baba used to sleep in the mosque with Mahal Sapati and with Tatya Koti Patil. Hemad Pant submits totally to Sai and regards himself but a slipper at the feet of Sai's devotee. To him, Sai's word is the only truth, only standard. Thus, the narration of Sai's story has come so far. We'll be it all here in the seventh chapter of Sri Sai Samarth Satcharit, the narration of various tales as inspired by the saints and the virtuous and composed by his devotee Hemad Pant.